Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I've got a word the Lord's put on my heart. How many have have heard on social media or, or from somebody possibly about the revivals that are going on around the country, uh, specifically the name of Asbury, that Asbury College in Kentucky. Uh, I want to talk about that tonight, and I want to talk about what is revival. Amen? How many would like to know what is revival? Now, we understand that uh, there's, there, in a certain way, you really can't pinpoint it because it's just something God does. But I want to teach you guys some things from the Word tonight of how you can know when a revival is happening. And so I've had several people, quite a few people call me, text me, ask me in person, uh, what do you think about this or have you heard about this? And, and uh, you know, so I figured I would answer that question biblically tonight. And uh, the first answer I have is I'm not there, so I don't know, you know, if it's a real revival. Um, I'm going to tell you this. I'm, it's always good to see the news going to a place and talking about God. And so I'm going to say that I'm thankful for whatever is happening in that place, and it's awakening people. Um, so I don't know if it's a real, genuine revival. And after this service, I believe through this message, you're going to be able to, and, and none of us will know either because we haven't been there, but if you've talked to somebody that's gone or whatever, then you'll be able to hear some things and look for some things that will really validate whether something is a revival. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but if you know my testimony, I have a pretty good experience of what a revival is. Can you imagine tonight if you were here and we had this revival with Pastor Safari, just to give an example, and we started on that Friday night and went through Sunday and God was moving so much that we said, we've got to continue this revival. And we went into Monday night and then Tuesday night and then Wednesday night and then Thursday night, and then Friday night, and then we kept going for weeks. Can you imagine what that, would, what that would be like? Not fabricated, not something we made up, just something that happened. And then for that to go on so long that they ha- we had to, this is the revival I was saved in, that we had to make a plan, and so church would go from Sunday through Friday. We would take Saturday off to do life and come back Sunday morning and continue again through Friday night. I was that's the kind of revival that I was saved in and it lasted 4 months. That's a revival. And and so I was a part of that and I was saved in that. And so for the time, for the last 30 years that I've been saved, I want to see a revival like that again. So I just want to go on record right off the bat that I want to see that revival, and I believe we're going to see that revival. How many believe with me that we're going to see that kind of move of God before Jesus comes back? But I want to get in a little bit to, to, the, to the Word of God here of, of what is a true biblical revival. And I'm going to give you five things I want you to write down, and this will be the most important thing, but I'm going to give you Scripture for everything. There's five things that happen in a revival that proves that it is a move of God and a genuine move of God, because how many know they had some revivals in the Bible? Amen. And just like they had revivals, they had them in the Old Testament, and they had them in the New Testament. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about this tonight, but let me tell you, one of the greatest revivals that ever happened was in the book of Jonah. 
It probably the greatest revival, actually. I don't, I don't want to, maybe I don't want to say the greatest because you can't really compare to what the, what the Jesus revolution did. Amen. I know there's a movie coming out, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. But when Jesus changed the world and sent his 12 disciples out and they changed the world and got the gospel, we know that's the, the greatest revival. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But right for homework, go read the book of Jonah. It's just four chapters. It's quick, easy reading. It's the one, if you went to Sunday school, where, where the, the man got swallowed by a fish. Okay, and so all the kids know that, and that, that wasn't a, a story or a fable that really happened. And uh, I was just talking not too long ago with Paul Platt, and he was reminding us of a, of a, of a, a scuba diving um, uh, endeavor that they did years ago. And uh, what kind of whale was it again? Whale shark, sorry, whale shark. If you've ever seen what a whale shark is, you can, you'll believe in Jonah and, and the whale. I mean, he has a picture where he's at the nose, and you can't even see his body hardly to this humongous fish. And so in that story, the Bible tells us, and I'm not going to go into it tonight, that, that what, we, what would cause revival was that this man went and preached the gospel uh, to, to the city of Nineveh in its wickedness, and the whole city got saved. I mean, the whole city, including the president, got saved. Amen? And so that, that was a great revival, lots of revivals throughout the Old Testament. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the New Testament revivals. And then we're, we've obviously seen some revivals over, or heard about revivals over the last couple thousand years. But here's the five things. Number one is there's a bold preaching. A bold preaching. Now, as I'm saying these things... You'll be able to, to look for these things, not only in, in the Asbury revival or whatever other revival you hear about, but in our revival in the name of Jesus that we're going to see. Or maybe you might even notice that we might already be kind of in revival, right? I, I believe we are in a revival. I don't believe we're in the revival, but I believe we're, we're in revival, and I believe seeing a church like Garland doing what it's doing is revival. But number one is there's bold preaching, and it's against sin, Okay, whenever there's a move of God, I'm going to stay here for just a minute, there's going to be bold preaching against sin. So, for example, again, I'm not there. I've only seen some videos. I've only heard some reports. But if, if, they're, if they're preaching the gospel boldly and preaching against sin, then I'm going to say that that's a revival. And if they're not, then I'm going to say it's not. Okay, is that fair? Again, we're not there. And, and I just want to throw this out, too. It, people go there. People are going there. People want to go and experience. I, th I think it was Sunday that I, I caught a little bit of the service, and I think I heard Ray at the offering saying his son is over there close by. Church, we don't need to go to those revivals. We need to be the revival. I agree 100% with what Ray said at the, when he was standing up here because that, that's great that that's happening over there. But we need something to happen here. And the problem is with these revivals is people have the wrong mentality about them and they want to go be a part of something and they want to kind of piggyback off all the work that those people, if this is a true revival, those people have been working to see this move of God happen. And, and you're going to get all kinds of crazy stuff going on at these things, and I have seen some of that, where you're going to have what's called proselyting. And even though I know this isn't a church, you're going to have all kinds of people showing up with all kinds of different beliefs, preaching all kinds of different things at these things. Because people, wherever there's a move of God, people are looking for a platform. Okay? And that's why it's so important to have a local church. 
to, 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 to base these things off of. Okay, so powerful preaching. And I was thinking about this while we were worshiping. And I'm just, this is just an example. Um, against sin, again, if they're, if they're preaching against uh, sin in that place and people are living in sin, and I could name a million sins, and they're turning from those sins, the preaching is doing something to their heart, that's a revival. Number two, it goes hand in hand. It's there should be repentance. There should be a heavy spirit of repentance. And the bold preaching, gospel preaching, causes the repentance. Bold preaching against sin, number one. Number two, repentance. And inside of this, if you want to put some parentheses or something there along the side, a, a desire to live a holy life. A desire to live a holy life. So here, here's, a, here's a good example, and, and, and I'm just using this as an example. When there's a true revival happening, a true revival, a real move of God is happening, people are not trying to figure out if they can drink. If there's a real move of God and a Holy Ghost fire is moving in a place and a true revival is happening, people in the church are not going around and asking, do you think it's okay if I get a tattoo? Are you all listening to me? If it's a true move of God and true repentance, people aren't going around looking, saying, hey, have you got a piercing lately? Are you all with me? I'm just throwing out some physical, visible examples. That, that when, when there's a true revival, it's God. Have I done anything to hurt you? Have I thought the wrong thought this week? Have I looked at the wrong person the wrong way? Have I have any sin in my eyes? There's a desire to, to stay away from every bit of possible sin. But today the church is looking for what they can do. That's, there's no revival in that place. Does that make sense? Those com- in other words, those conversations shouldn't even come up because there's such a desire for holiness. Number three, souls have to be getting saved. Somebody sent me yesterday or the day before a, a, tw- a Twitter that showed something from this revival, and I had just been kind of sitting back. And listen, I'm not, I'm not the revival police, by the way. I'm not trying to sound like that. I'm just answering the question tonight. What is revival? And, and so they sent me this thing, and they said that it's been confirmed. Now, again, this is just stuff I'm going off of. I'm, I'm not there. It's been confirmed that thousands of people have gotten saved. So I sent it to my family, and I said, if that's the case, this is a revival. Y'all with me? Because if there's no bold preaching, if there's no repentance, and there's nobody getting saved, I'm going to be careful with this and, and take this the right way, and I'm only quoting my own pastor, it's just a worship orgy. That's all it is. It's just a bunch of singing and worshiping and gathering together and kumbaya. Are you all following me? you all seeing my heart tonight? If it's a real move of God, praise God, worship's going to be there. But if people aren't getting saved, if the, bold, the, the word of God's not being preached with boldness and people aren't falling to their knees and repenting of their sins, it's not a revival. Can I get an amen? 
Now, I'm going to show you this in the scriptures. Number four, there will be a burning, a burning, along with the spirit of holiness, a burning desire to tell other people about what's going on. A burning. Like Jeremiah had, where it says, it's shut up in my bones. I'm try, try to, Jeremiah tried to quit preaching and couldn't because something was shut up in his bones. So you see that? There's, there'll be a burning desire. Nobody has to beg to go on outreach. Nobody has to beg somebody to do something. Nobody has to beg to go to a prayer meeting. There's a desire to tell people about Jesus. There's a desire to tell people that they're going to hell and they need a Savior and that Jesus saved me and he can save you. There's a burning desire in a person to tell other people about Jesus. Number five. This, this is very important. It lasts. Now, I'm not talking about the revival itself. That revival I got saved in ended after four months. But what the revival did, didn't end. I'm still preaching the gospel. I'm still fruit from that revival. And in my opinion, it, just to be selfish, if I was the only one that came out of that revival and the only one that did something, that revival was worth that revival. Because 30 years later, I'm still preaching the gospel. So when it's God, it'll last. Remember what they told that when they were talking among themselves about Jesus and one of the wise men in the book of Acts said, if this is just a man, this is going to pass like everything else. But if this is God, nobody can stop it. Okay? So how many got those five things? You want me to go over them real quick again? Bold preaching. Well, it's a good conference message right here on a Wednesday night. Number two, repentance. Number three, salvation. Number four, a burning desire to tell others. And number five, it lasts. It has ongoing fruit. Now, let's look at our Bibles. Psalms chapter 85. This might be a weird place. You might think Psalms. That's an interesting place to talk about revival. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework tonight because I don't have time to read all this. This isn't that long of a chapter, but it's fairly long. But I want you to um, read this chapter later for homework. Uh, And I'm not even going to read these first few verses. I'm going to have you go to verse 6 and verse 7, if you would. And and right before we read 6, that's fine, leave it right there. Right before we read that, those first five verses, I'm just going to paraphrase, says, you've been favorable You've brought back captivity. You've forgiven the iniquity. You've covered their sins. You've taken away your wrath. You've turned from the fierceness of your anger. Remember that from the message a couple weeks ago? Restore us, O God, to our salvation. And so he's, he's talking about something he's done before. When we are looking for a revival, you're looking for something God's done before, and you're saying, Lord, do it again. Okay, when we talk about, stay with me, when we talk about, Lord, do something new, we're not saying something new like something new age. Y'all with me on that? It means do something new today in us, but how many know that what God has always done, God will always do? Does that make sense? There's nothing new under the sun. So you can't just say, well, this is 2023, so regardless if we don't see any of those five things you just talked about, this is a revival. No, that's not how it works. A revival has to be confirmed by God's word. That's where we get in trouble, when we start doing things 
based on feelings, based on our emotions, based on what we see, and not based on God's word. I'm giving you five things that are concrete proofs of what a real revival is. Now look at verse 6. Will you not revive us again? Church, that is my cry. It's my plead to God. God knows my heart. I want to see. I want my kids. Listen, I know that my kids have seen moves of God. I know my church has seen moves of God. But I want my kids and my church to see and be a part of the kind of move of God I was saved in. I want to see it again. And I know that there's a promise in the Bible, and I've told you this before, the only thing left to happen before Jesus comes back is this move of God. The greatest move of God ever. So we're living in the most exciting times to ever be alive, by the way. Yes, we're perilous times. Yes, sin is abounding. But these are exciting times. So it says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Now, you take the rest for homework. But right there in Psalms 85, David is saying, Lord, revive us again. Revive us again. And and let me just interject this right here because this is a whole message in itself. What starts a revival? A spark. Who's the spark? You are. Every revival that's ever happened in the history of the world started with the spark. It started with somebody praying somewhere with no agenda other than a move of God. No no motives other than to see God move. And tonight, where's the spark at? It has to be personal. We all have to have a personal revival before it becomes a corporate revival. Okay? In other words, say this with me. Revival starts with me. You believe that? It starts with me. I, because I can't change anybody else. I can't desire revival for you. I can only be thankful by the God, God's grace that I was saved in something that looking back on, I thought was normal when I got saved. I didn't know. And I, I, I want to say this tonight, that you guys don't know sometimes. How many know sometimes you don't know what you have? I don't want to say till you lose it because we're not going to lose it, but sometimes we're in something we don't know what we have. You don't know what we have in this church. If you haven't been out in other churches and other things, you don't know the genuineness of what God is doing in our lives. When I got saved in that revival, I didn't know that I was a part of something that was very rare, very special. I probably would have embraced it a little bit more, but I was too busy getting jacked up by the Holy Spirit, and he was changing my life and transforming me. And turning me into the man of God that I'm still trying to become today. Because how many know it never ends? Repentance starts with me. Every single service I repent. Every single day I repent. Every time I get up here to preach, I'm repenting. I'm preaching to myself before I'm preaching to you. And so there's a spirit of revival that starts within us. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 2. The greatest revival after Jesus left the earth and and said to his disciples, go to the upper room, and go, don't put it up there yet. Go to the upper room and, and wait for the promise. The Holy Spirit, this is important, 
the Holy Spirit has to be involved. But watch this. The Holy Spirit has to be involved, but the focal point isn't on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is always going to point to Jesus. Always. Jesus, the salvation of our souls, comes in the name of Jesus. We don't, we don't say, Holy Spirit, I accept you into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. That's not the Holy Spirit's job. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The name of Jesus is always edified and lifted up when the Holy Spirit is moving. It's always Christ-centered. Now, we have only have the Holy Spirit today because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So we have to have an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. But again, if a revival is emphasizing on the Holy Spirit and there's no mention of Jesus, it's not a revival. Are you all following me? So in this verse we're going to read here, they go to the upper room. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to take a whole other message here, but you've heard me say it a bunch of times. Peter turns from being a, a what we would joke around today, jokingly seriously say, from a spiritual sissy. Because he was that. He turned into that. He was scared of a 12-year-old girl. He couldn't even be bold enough to say, yeah, I know Jesus. A 12-year-old girl confronted him. He said, I don't know who you're talking about. And went to cussing almost. That's, that was the Peter before the upper room. But then they go to the upper room and, and do what Jesus tells them to do. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit, just a few of them. Was it just a few of them? Do you know your Bibles? How many of them got filled with the Holy Spirit? All of them. And they all spoke with tongues, and they all had the boldness, and they walked out of that place speaking in tongues, and a revival broke out. And as you see in the Word, the first thing Peter does is he turns from being that spiritual sissy that he was for a time, turning into a bold man of God who says, listen to me, I have a word from God. What, what was the difference? The power of the Holy Spirit. And so the first sign of the revival in the book of Acts was that Peter had a bold preaching message to preach. And he preaches this message, and we're going to pick it up in 36, and, he's, and, he, and there, you can do, read Acts 2 for homework as well. And it says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, watch this, who you crucified, that's pretty bold, He's telling the people, you crucified Jesus, pointing his finger at him, and both Lord and Christ. Now, here's the second part of revival. What happens when bold preaching comes? What's the first reaction to bold preaching? When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, that's repentance, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter says, repent. Repent. In other words, whatever you're doing right now, that the Holy Spirit is convicting, you say, well, what, what is it for me? What is it for No, everybody's got different things the Lord's convicting you of. It's not a general thing. It's an individual thing. And they repented of whatever it was they were doing. Some of them were idol worshipers. Some of them were fornicating. Some of them were homosexuals. Some of them were liars. Some of them were all the above. Some of them were drunkards. Whatever they were and whatever the Holy Spirit convicted them on, they repented. They said, Lord, and here's the key to repentance. They weren't just sorry that day. 
They were sorry for life. They said, I'm not doing this anymore. I am cut. When it says cut to the heart, something happened that's never happened before. Here's an example. I grew up in church from when I was born. I had words prophesied over me through men of God when I was in my mother's stomach that I heard my entire life from my mama. So I was raised in church. I was raised in revivals. I was raised in moves of God. But it didn't matter until I was cut to the heart personally for my life. I was 19 years old when I got saved. Now, the first time I had an encounter with God was at eight years old in a camp, a kid's camp. Believe it or not, in Prescott, Arizona. Full circle, huh? In Prescott, Arizona, which is where our pastor, Pastor Jones, came out of, the fellowship there. And I, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost at eight years old, speaking in tongues. And then I got to junior high, and I was still on fire for God. And I'm not going into my testimony tonight. High school, I went off and did my own thing, and I did what some people believe you can't, but I'll tell you from me personally, you can. I backslid. I left Jesus. He never left me. Well, when I say he never left me, I'm talking about coming home from parties at 2 o'clock in the morning and crying in my bed as a grown 18-year-old, 17-year-old, 19-year-old man because I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't let go of the sin. Sin has me. Amen? But I knew what was right. And, and so Jesus' conviction never left me. But I wasn't ready to meet Jesus in that time. But at one point, when that man who I just talked to on the other day, matter of fact, about this revival, he called me, and my, the only man that led me to the Lord, he said, what do you think about this? He's asking me. We're asking each other. We're talking about it. But when he preached that message on hell, I was cut to the heart. And church, that revival meant something because I've been cut to the heart for the last 30 years. And I've never turned back. See the difference? There's fruit from that revival. Preach, bold preaching came at me. Oh, I thank God that it wasn't a message on you can be a champion that night. You can have your greatest life tonight. I thank God for that. Those messages have their places. But, man, I needed to hear. I needed to have a two-by-four stuck between my head and my eyeballs telling me the place he's describing right now is the place that you're going. And I was cut to my heart, and I went to that altar, and this is something I haven't seen much since. We've seen a little bit at some youth camps, thank God. But, church, I was at that altar for three hours. I'm not saying that to brag. That's just the truth. In all the years I've been pastoring, I've never seen somebody stay at the altar for three hours. That doesn't mean they didn't get saved, but I'm telling you what Jesus did to me. I know what it was like to be saved in a real revival because I was cut to the heart, and I immediately repented of my sins, and I turned from those things, and I began to do what God called me to do. And he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And let's keep reading. For the promises to you and your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will 
call. Now for time, I'm not going to read the rest of those verses. You, actually, let me read that next one. That's, that next one's important. For 40, I think. And with many other words, listen to this, he testified and exhorted saying, be saved from this perverse generation. It doesn't say be saved and act like this perverse generation. It doesn't say be saved and look like this perverse generation. It doesn't say be saved and relate to this perverse generation. It says be saved from this perverse generation. When there's a true move of God, the church looks like Jesus, not like the world. And that was a good place to say amen, but you missed it. Amen. We're not trying to be like the world and relate to the world and so we can reach the world. You just love Jesus and preach the gospel and you can reach everybody. Amen? I've never, I've never done a drug. I've never gotten a tattoo. I've never had a piercing. Some of those things that the world looks on is things. And listen, I've said this before. we got enough tattoos in this church to paint the whole church. Thank God. But how is it possible that I'm reaching those kind of people when I've never, well, I thought you got to be like them to, to reach them. No, you don't. you got to be genuine and real. And you'll reach everybody. That's why this church is full of every possible testimony you can think of. Because it's the gospel that changes lives, not me. It's not you that changes lives. It's your testimony. Amen. Give me a better amen. amen. So let's finish with this. One verse. I got one verse left. Perfect timing. Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Have, have you been converted? That means all in. It's good to see, I'm not going to point you out, but it's good to see some people here tonight on a Wednesday night. The, the, the growth of the church, the fruit of the church is when people start to come in from Sunday and start to come on Wednesday nights. That's when there's a personal revival in your family. When you start to see the importance of coming to church on a Wednesday night. Because Wednesday nights is, this is, this is the true church right here. This is, where, this is where we get discipled. This is where we get challenged. Doesn't, I'm, not, I'm not talking bad about those that come on s Sunday mornings, but, but there's, there's a growth when, when you go, and that comes from next step, and that comes from small groups and encouragement from different people saying, hey, I want to see you on Wednesday nights. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do next step because it's important. But he says, be converted that your sins will be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You know where the presence of the Lord falls? where there's humility and repentance. That's why, church, I thank God that one of the things that we are able to experience in this church is the presence of the Lord. When you can feel, we don't go by feelings, but it sure is good to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of conviction, the presence of his peace, the presence of love. And that's what's in this place tonight. So one more time, bold preaching. As you go on, if people ask you, hey, what do you think about this revival? Just, just tell them, hey, let me tell you what the Bible says. You don't have to quote me. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Here's five things. You should say, you go look for these things. Because it's not about us judging, although the Bible does tell us test spirits. But it's not about us judging whether it's a, I hope it's a move of God. 
I hope it is. I'm a little jealous if it is, but I hope it is. I want it to, I want it to spread like wildfire all over, all over the United States and the whole country. But we got to understand that the way you know is if there's bold preaching. And then followed by that bold preaching is a repentance, a heart that's cut, a desire to live a holy life. People are getting saved. They're turning. They're saying, I want that Jesus you're talking about. And the fourth one is there's a desire to go tell other people, look what Jesus did for me. You know what fills these seats? You telling somebody else, I don't know about you. I don't know about them. But this is what Jesus did for me. Jesus healed my body. Jesus saved my life. Jesus restored my marriage. Jesus healed my finances. Jesus did this. Jesus did that. And you can tell me whatever you want, think whatever you want, but Jesus is real to me. And when he becomes real to you, he's going to become real to somebody else. And the last one is, it'll last. Now that last one, we won't know. I'm telling you about a revival I was saved in 30 years ago. I believe this revival called the Jesus Revolution, the Jesus Movement, was real. They're making a movie about it. It stood the test of time. There's still fruit from it today. That's the, that's the thing. Some things we won't know. So the last one takes a while. But those other four, you can see them right now. And it's not for us to go investigate with a microscope. Let's not focus on that. Let's pray for them to have a move of God, and let's see what God can do here. Because one thing I can tell you, and I'm going to end with this, and this is a fact, and I know it for a truth, is you can't fabricate or copy a move of God. If you could, I'd have done it already. I promise. Because I want to see one. Back in the early 90s, when I first got saved, there was a revival called the Pensacola Revival. People drove from all over the United States and all over the world. I don't remember how, it, it didn't last months, it lasted years. That was a real revival. You know why? Because there's fruit from it today. And here's another thing. This is a kind of a 5.8. A. This is another thing that's important. When it's a real revival, it goes out from the place. Not everybody coming in. They may come in for a little bit, but then it starts to go out. That revival, you've heard me say this before in Pensacola, they had police officers pulling people over and arresting them and giving them the option to go to jail or to church. That's revival. All the police in Pensacola were arresting. Can you imagine being arrested and having the police officer? I mean, how many of them chose jail? I would like to know the numbers of how many of them. Was there anybody dumb enough to all take me to jail? I hate church. I mean, I would love to know the numbers. I'm, gonna, I'm, just gonna, I'm not a betting guy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb that most people said, church? Okay. I'll go to church. That's revival. That's a move of God where people are talking about it, and it's genuine, but you can't copy it. You can't go say, what songs are they singing? People would come back from the Pensacola revival. I remember it. I remember them at every church, start singing the songs they sang, trying to preach the messages they preached, when really it's just sovereign. I wish I could fabricate it. But when God does, and I don't say if, when God does his move in our lives here in Denton, it's going to be real. And it's going to be something we don't take the credit for. Just like if that's real over there, they're not taking the credit. They're just giving God the glory. But those are five evidences you can take home tonight with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit.
that's in this place tonight. Lord, thank you for the burning desire that is in my heart, and I know many others in this place tonight to see a genuine move of God. A genuine revival, Lord, where you get all the glory, where the name of Jesus is lifted up, where the Holy Spirit is convicting people and pricking their hearts, cutting them to the heart and causing them to turn from their ungodly ways, from this perverse and wicked generation. And then when they get saved and they stand up as a new creation, they go and they boldly proclaim what the Lord has done for them. Oh, Jesus, you know. I don't need anybody else in this place to know. You know how much I want to see a sovereign move of God. And, Lord, we just wait for it. We just continue to preach your gospel with truth. We continue to preach repentance. We continue to preach salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. We continue to let the Spirit of God burn our hearts for the lost and hurting of this city. And, Lord, we pray for fruit that remains. Lord, send revival tonight. Send revival to this church. Send revival to this city, God. Let your name be glorified in this house tonight. And, Lord, we will do everything we can to be in position for that move of God. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed and those listening online, watching online, listening on the podcast, in all different places, wherever the Holy Spirit's leading tonight, do you know Jesus Christ? The bold preaching of Jesus is turn from your wicked ways. The bold preaching message of Jesus is there's only one way to get into heaven, and that's through the door, which is Jesus Christ. What bold preaching are you talking about, Pastor? The, the word that says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and nobody gets into heaven to the Father but through me. That if you'll confess your sin tonight and turn from your ways and, and ask Jesus to forgive you, he's, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you right now of all your sins and then cleanse you from all your sins unrighteousness. How many all across this place could say, Pastor, tonight, that's me. I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. Just lift up that hand. Just say, that's me. You're talking to me. I see your hand, young man. How many more? You're talking to me. You're talking to me. You know that I never, ever look over this, the hand of a child or a young person because that was me at eight years old giving my life to Jesus. We've got future evangelists, future missionaries in these kids. Jesus said, unless you become as a child. How many more? Quickly. I'm not ready tonight to meet Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to put him first. I need to repent. I need to get things right. Just lift up your hand and put it back down. All over this place, I see your hands. God bless you. Precious couple, God bless you. How many more? I'm going to wait just a few seconds. See, this is the spirit of revival when the Holy Spirit is convicting hearts. I see your hand. Convicting hearts. Real revival is when hands are raised and people are saying, I need that Jesus you're talking about. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying things my own way. I'm tired of doing things the way I do them. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I want a second chance. Jesus, I, I'll start over tonight. I want everything you have for me tonight, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet tonight, if you would. And quickly, without hesitation, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you raised your hand and you meant it, 
There's an aisle near you. Just step out and come down here. I want to pray with you. Just step out and come down. Don't wait for somebody else. Don't look around. Come on, church. Let's rejoice with them tonight. Come on, put those hands together. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on over here in the middle. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Clap like you're excited. Clap like you're thankful. Let's get a couple behind this couple over here to pray with them. Thank you, Brenda. Hallelujah. I remember when my daughters both told me, I'm ready, Dad. I want Jesus. It's the most precious day of our lives. If we don't get more excited about our children getting saved than other, than other people, something's wrong. Amen. Today, Jesus is going to change your life forever because you raised your hand. Did your mom nudge you? You just raise it on your own, right? That's because that's Jesus is touching your heart. That's that, and today, God's going to do something. You're learning tonight how to, how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and turn from those things that the devil is trying to put in your life. He has a purpose and a plan for you. Stop running from him and start running to him. Let those hurts go. Let those pains go. Leave him at this altar tonight. We're going to pray, and you're going to be free, totally free. You believe that? Totally free from all that, all those lies of the devil. The devil's putting all kinds of lies in your head. Stop listening to him. Start listening to the word of God. You're a, you're a God's creation. You're made in his image. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He loves you more than I could ever express in my words. Tonight, you tell that devil to leave you alone and get away from you when we pray. And you let Jesus come in and take over. Amen? Let's say this prayer together, everybody with me. All those that are watching online, listening on the podcast, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm lost and hopeless, as the book of Ephesians says, in a lost and dying world. But Jesus, you are the hope. You are salvation. You are the door. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe you died on the cross for all my sins, and I believe you rose from the dead for me so I can have eternal life. Tonight, Jesus, I turn to you. I repent of all my sins of all my wickedness, of all my rebellion. In Jesus' name, forgive me. Wash me clean with your precious blood. And from this day forward, I renounce sin. I renounce the devil. I renounce rebellion. I renounce everything that is unholy to God. And I surrender to Jesus. Holy Spirit, Come and fill me now. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your conviction. In Jesus' mighty name, I am saved. I am born again. I am a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.